Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so excited about this lecture. What we are going to do today has been done before anywhere. In fact, I don't think I've prepared for lectures with so much time and intention. I have 30 <laughs> pages around me right now for this lecture. Why do I have that? I've spoken about GMOs a thousand times in 45 countries, but we're doing something different here. We are going to take one disease category at a time and discuss the question whether GMOs and Roundup are contributing to that disease, causing it, exacerbating it, etc. Now, we're going to do this in a way that's different than most or perhaps any type of lecture you've seen because this is designed really to be cut up into pieces so that when it hits the social media, there's one short a video just about metabolic disorders, one short video about digestive disorders, one about reproductive, so that you and the audience can share it and send it around and make it viral. A lot of the real truth about health videos are going viral. There was one that was released with me last week or last month. It's got over 175,000 views. So what we're going to do with uh, these experts that I'm so honored to be with, uh, Drs. Michelle Perro and Stephanie Seneff, is we're going to introduce a disease, introduce the evidence, and then talk about what could possibly be causing it from GMOs and Roundup. Then we're going to go to a new disease, and some of what you're going to hear is repetitious. Because remember, when it gets cut up by Ben and sent around the world, they won't have the benefit of what they just heard when we talked about cancer, when we're now talking about uh, atopic diseases. So you're going to hear some repetition, but bear with us. You're going to learn it better, and the people who are going to hear about it are going to learn it for the first time, and they may actually make the decision to go organic, to get rid of the GMOs and the Roundup. So I want to say that the, I love the introduction to both of you, Stephanie and Michelle. You are heroes. Uh, rock stars in this. You have seen the um, plausible causative pathways. You've seen what's happening, uh, Stephanie, in the deep research that you're doing in the big data, Michelle, in your actual practice. And so we get to pour your experiences and wisdom into this. Anything you want to say before we take this for a test drive? I'd say let's rock it, Jeffrey. We're ready. All right. All right. All right. So we're going to start with digestive disorders. Here we go. Are your digestive problems caused by GMOs and Roundup? There's a lot of digestive problems that are plaguing people in the United States. And thanks to doctors Nancy Swanson and Stephanie Seneff, we have some correlational evidence showing a rise in both the increased use of Roundup on genetically and on soy and corn and inflammatory bowel disease. This is correlation. It doesn't prove causation, but it shows a remarkable correlation, which we will then discuss to see, is it possible that inflammatory bowel disease is being exacerbated in the U.S. population by the use of Roundup? We also have adjusted, age-adjusted deaths due to intestinal infection going up very closely in the slope 
of the increased use of glyphosate applied to soy and corn. And finally, peritonitis going up as well. So I could tell you as, as a way of introduction that I asked people at 150 lectures, including about two dozen medical conferences, how many people, what do people get better from when they switch to non-GMO and largely organic diets? And the number one most common result was always digestive disorders. Because they someone would say, you know, GERD or acid reflux or inflammatory bowel. I said, who else notices a digestive disorder improvement? And that was always huge numbers. In fact, we then surveyed 3,256 people who got better from 28 different conditions. And sure enough, digestion was at the top 85.2% described an improvement when they switched to non-GMO and organic. And it wasn't just a small improvement. 80% of those that reported had at least a significant improvement, nearly gone or completely recovered. So this was big. So I would like to hear first from you, Michelle, You've been doing pediatrics for close to 40 years. So you were around before GMOs and Roundup were introduced. Did you see an increase in digestive or disorders soon after GMOs were introduced in the late 1990s? And have you found that changing the diet back so that people do not, so the children do not have GMOs and Roundup in their diet can undo some of that damage? Uh, yes, Jeffrey, so it was, you're right, 40, 40 years, hard to, hard to imagine practicing. I am a frontline doc, meaning I actually take care of kids in offices and I actually put my hands on them and examine them. I know, kind of shocking that mm -hmm. I touch, touch the children. And what happened is around the early 2000s, all of a sudden, you know, being an, an astute pediatrician, asking parents questions, listening to parents, that I started seeing sicker and sicker children. And remember, what we as pediatricians do largely has to do, especially with babies, eating, pooping, and sleeping. I spend most of my life talking about those three issues. So food and poop are a huge part of my conversation almost daily. So in the early 2000s, yes, indeed, chronic diseases across the board, let's hone in just on gut issues or gastrointestinal or GI for short. Everything was going up. Chronic abdominal pain in kids, that's the number one pain complaint in children. Constipation. Um, a third of kids now are reporting pooping issues, alternating with diarrhea, known as IBS in adults. Kids with reflux, which means their food comes up in the back of their throats, and many parents are unaware because the kids think it's normal. So when I ask the kids, hey, does your food come back in your throat? And then you have to swallow it back down, and they say, yeah, all the time. And the parents mm -hmm. go, what? <laughs> so reflux is on the rise. And bloating tummies, I have toddlers who look like they're five months pregnant. Big bloated tummies, and we can go on. Then start mucking around with the diet. And the first thing I do is put all the kids in our organic diet. A lot of parents are saying there's no way that this can be. I'd say you do the experiment, you're, you're in a four, you're a four family members, see what happens. And lo and behold, some kids it was really quick, three days, longer for most, about four weeks, and the overall majority begin to get better. Varies, depends on what we're dealing with, of course, but not only the kids get better, but their family members get better because you don't give little Susie a kale salad and everyone else is eating pepperoni pizza. That doesn't work. So the whole family has to change their diet 
And lo and behold, oh my gosh, everyone's not running to the you know supermarket to buy laxatives and you know um, antacids. Everyone felt better. You know, your experience when you talked about the five months pregnant reminded me of a photo in our film, Secret Ingredients, where the families switched to organic and the bloating and the large stomachs went away, the constipation went away, the digestive issues, the moods as a result in the children. Stephanie, you've been examining the um, chemical properties of glyphosate and its modes of action in the body. What would you say would be some of the reasons why Roundup may be contributing to the problems of digestion in the United States? It's a huge list and it's hard to know how to say it quickly. <laughs> I have a whole chapter in my book on the gut. In fact, that was a very difficult chapter to write. I, I, re I read an enormous number of papers. There's so much coming out on the gut and all the different correlations with different species and different diseases. It's very hard to untangle it all and get the story straight. But I feel like I did in my book. And it's um, it's astonishing, uh, all the things. It's like so many. It starts, of course, with the fact that glyphosate preferentially kills the, the beneficial bacteria. The bacteria have this enzyme, EPSP synthase, in this, in this biological pathway called the shikimate pathway. And um, we don't have that enzyme, and that's why it's claimed that glyphosate is safe. But in fact, it's not safe because these are, our microbes have the enzyme, use the enzyme to make aromatic amino acids, which are essential amino acids because our bodies can't make them. Let me but let me let me unpack that just for a second. So Monsanto has been bragging <laughs> for years that their herbicide kills plants because it blocks their pathway that we don't have, and they're being sued right now because they knew all along that bacteria that's inside us need that pathway in order to produce the precursors to the happy molecules, the happy, the happy serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine. So that's been confirmed that the gut bacteria, when it's blasted with Roundup, can disable that function. Go ahead, Stephanie. Right. And so, and then studies on which microbes were most affected by glyphosate found that lactobacillus and bifidobacteria which are really important you know pro they're the healthy uh, microbes that we need to be able to the baby needs in order to be able to digest the milk it needs these microbes and those microbes are really getting hit hard by glyphosate whereas there's other species like salmonella and clostridia that are robust against glyphosate so you get that imbalance where these pathogens are overgrowing in the gut. You even get an overgrowth of yeast because of the microbes being reduced. The bacteria are beginning reduced in number of the yeast overgrowth. Also, the yeast feasts on the foods, the sugars that we're, um, we're unable to digest these foods properly so that they end up um, causing this yeast overgrowth. And um, which is part of the problem. And then you get this uh, SIBO is quite interesting as uh, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is quite uh, becoming an epidemic. And that one's interesting to me. And also that goes with the uh, diarrhea and constipation, the cycles of diarrhea and constipation, and all the bloating, all the stuff. It's, um, there was a woman who tried to commit suicide by drinking glyphosate. And, and there was a report about her, a paper that was published. And one of the things they found striking was that it paralyzed her gut. It completely paralyzed it. And, um, and that doesn't surprise me. One of the things is serotonin. Serotonin is important for, for getting the, the gut to move the, the feces down the tube. But also, um, myosin is a, is a contractile protein that's very important in the gut to push things through. Myosin has critical dependencies on glycine residues that can get disrupted by glyphosate and cause that molecule not to contract. 
quite amazing. There was a study that showed a single glycine in that, a critical glycine in that protein, if it gets replaced by something else, actually alanine, which is very similar to glycine, um, the, 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 program, the, the protein can only contract at 1% capacity just with that right, small so, change. So what we're seeing is, let's gonna, we're going to make line these up, okay? First of all, we mentioned that glyphosate, which is the chief poison in Roundup. So everyone knows Roundup is something that is not just used on lawns, it's sprayed on food. It's sprayed on most genetically engineered crops. It's sprayed on a lot of the grains and beans in the United States. It's spray, it's, you can find it in wine, in beer, in orange juice because of how it's used chemically. And, and so we're, we're- And infant formula. Thank you, Michelle, infant formula. You have to be the, the baby whisperer. You speak on behalf of the babies <laughs> in the next generation. Just dive in when you speak when they can't. So it turns out it's not only patented as an herbicide, but it's patented also as an antimicrobial, as an antibiotic. But it, like no other antibiotic that I know about, searches and destroys the good stuff, not the bad stuff. Right. And this was actually shown by Kieran Krishnan, an expert in the microbiome, who took a human model and applied Roundup. And sure enough, dramatic negative changes, dramatic negative changes in the microbiome when exposed to Roundup. And I asked him about what could those changes do in terms of digestive, or for example, inflammatory bowel. And he has a number of things, which I'll share in a moment. But so we've talked about the changes in the gut bacteria, which can decimate and change the population. And you talked about the changes in the motility or the ability for it to contract. So if it's just paralyzed, that's going to be a problem with digestion. And that's SIBO because the bacteria get backed up too. I mean, the whole thing isn't moving through. And so you get all this food up high that's uh, allowing the bacteria to grow there because it's uh, in the small intestine, you're getting overgrowth of bacteria in that SIBO condition. And then, of course, the diarrhea comes in. The kids are constipated, constipated, constipated. And finally, they get all this water and then it just gushes out. It's a sort of reaction to the constipation to try to wash the food out because you can't contract the, the muscles to get it out. So you have to find another way. So it's this constant cycle of constipation and diarrhea. That Is that what see. you're seeing, Michelle, as well? Um, I am. And, um, and, you know, there's also this all sorts of related issues we're seeing kids where they still withhold and then they get blocked up and then they get this leakage around there. And that's a big problem now. And then they get the mood disorders related around it because of the gut bacteria imbalances, which we'll talk about later and then affect their mood. So it becomes cyclical. I also want to add just when you were talking about the microbiome and these gut disorders, which is the leading cause, um, you know, the Roundup is way more toxic. Glyphosate is a nightmare and it's horrific and causes chronic toxicity toxicity, but the adjuvants, the POEA, the other stuff in Roundup, these emulsifiers, they're surfactants, they break down fats. Emulsifiers have an equally destructive effect on the microbiota. There's a lot of literature now on emulsifiers found in all sorts of processed food products. So when we talk about going organic, we talk about removing processed foods to get rid of those emulsifiers because Roundup has a dual nasty action of both the glyphosate, which is a um, antimicrobial, and the emulsifying action of the surfactant, which is an antimicrobial effect. So both. 
And I'd right, say, and, those, and those surfactants allow glyphosate to get into the cell too. They promote the uptake of glyphosate. So that's really important too. And I think the processed foods have so many chemicals in them. I think it's really important to emphasize eating whole foods as well as eating organic foods. You know, I was talking to farmers who took animals off of GMOs that have been sprayed with Roundup, and they noticed a dramatic change in the digestive condition. Uh, Ib Pedersen from Denmark, mm-hmm. he changed, you both know him, or we both know of him, he, he changed the diet to non-GMO soy for his pigs and didn't tell his farmhand. And about uh, soon after, the, the farmhand came and said, you changed the, the feed. And Ib said, uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> and he said, no more diarrhea in the piglets. Mm. They had intractable, uncontrollable diarrhea for two years. It was killing a lot of the piglets. And within a day or so, they were not having diarrhea. And I interviewed the farmers having this experience at the same time I went to a practitioner who was talking their patients, interviewing their patients about IBD and IBS. And it was like talking about the same thing, only they were using different terms in the humans as the animals. And what was interesting about the animal study is they didn't shift to organic. They, uh, they didn't shift to non-processed foods. So it really, it was uh, an easier conclusion to draw. But when you start looking at some of the research, there's so much evidence. I can, I can totally understand, Stephanie, why there's too much to put in the digestive chapter. I wrote an article that was peer-reviewed and published in the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine and gathered all the ways that GMOs and Roundup could contribute to disorders of the gut. And it was quite a list. So I want to share with you now what Kieran Christian said about, the, about inflammatory bowel research and what he found about the microbial community inside humans. So he said in a very large scale uh, paper on irritable bowel disease published in 2017, they compared people who had IBD with those that didn't. And they found that those that did had really low diversity in the microbiome. And when he applied Roundup to the human model for the microbiome, there was a dramatic reduction in the biodiversity. Diversity is so important in the health of the microbiome. So that was one thing. Second, short chain fatty acids, Mm. which are produced by the microbiome, are very important. When you have low short chain fatty acids, irritable bowel is very common. And that was driven dramatic decrease in short chain fatty acids. The only thing he did different was add Roundup to the gut. In addition, there's some keystone strains. There's one whose name I'm going to butcher, uh, Fecalobacterium prosnitsi. <laughs> Maybe you can pronounce it better. All right. No. I, when, when I interview him, I just call it Dr. F. I say, he's a, it's a superhero. We're just going to call it Dr. F. Well, that's well established to protect against inflammatory bowel, and it is driven down because of the Roundup. There's also an increase in ammonia for a number of reasons. And it's interesting that GMOs alone, even without Roundup, have been linked to an increase in pneumonia, in ammonia. And ammonia is an inflammatory agent in the bowel, and it's very toxigenic to the liver, and it screws up the metabolic functions of all sorts of microbials. And there's a rise in pH. Now, when there's a rise in pH, the digestive enzymes fall apart. So now they can't digest the food, which increases the ammonia, et cetera, et cetera. So just based on what he saw in the 
human microbiome exposed to Roundup gave all these indicators for inflammatory bowel. So I'm going to go back to both of you. We'll start with Stephanie. Give another, one other piece about why Roundup might be causing digestive, and then I'll throw it back to you, Michelle, and we'll talk about some of the research of GMOs and Roundup causing digestive disorders. Go ahead. Yeah, and I talked about both the ammonia and the um, acid um, going up, the pH going up. That's really very interesting. I found some data on looking at uh, the guts of children way back when, before glyphosate, and that the pH was much lower consistently across the population then than it is now. Uh, and that is the ammonia, and that is the consequence of the uh, proteins not getting digested. Glyphosate was found, Anthony Samsel ordered up um, samples of trypsin, pepsin, and lipase from a chemistry lab, and he tested them for glyphosate. They were from a pig, they were sourced from a pig, and they all three had high levels of glyphosate in them. I think glyphosate is getting into those digestive enzymes and messing up their ability to work. And so the um, so the body actually can't digest the proteins. The, the 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 enzymes that are supposed to digest the proteins don't work correctly, and also the fats. And so both of them become problematic when the proteins don't get digested in the upper gut. They end up as peptide sequences in the lower gut. You know, in, in the um, in, the, in the, the large bowel, and that's where you have these microbes breaking down those proteins and turning amino acids into ammonia, because amino acids have nitrogen. So that's how you get this excess ammonia, which also raises the pH, because ammonia has a very high pH. And then acetate is, is underrepresented. That's one of those short-chain fatty acids. Butyrate, acetate, and propionic, pro, pro, propionate, which I always have trouble saying. <laughs> Those three are so crucial, and those are produced by the gut microbes from the roughage. These are things that we don't normally digest. Um, and that, if that's messed up too, then you've got sort of the roughage becomes um, harsh because it's now being broken down by the, by the microbes into those short chain amino acids. And the butyrate is absolutely essential for providing food for the gut uh, lining. The, the cells in the, um, in the large intestine love butyrate. That's their favorite food. And they depend upon the microbes to produce a supply of butyrate. And when they don't have enough butyrate, bad things happen. You get the leaky gut situation and inflammatory gut and all those problems um, because those um, cells are not being well fed by the butyrate that's not being produced by the microbes. There's just a, a lot of things. A study was done recently that showed that glyphosate causes leaky gut. And that was also because of these undigested proteins, which end up irritating the gut and cause an overproduction of a protein called zonulin. And zonulin actually opens up the gut barrier. So when you have these undigested proteins and the leaky gut, those peptides can leak past the gut barrier and get into the general circulation. And the immune cells get very upset when they see that. They see these foreign proteins wandering around the blood. They produce antibodies to those proteins. And when they do that, those antibodies can become autoantibodies attacking human cells through this process called molecular mimicry, where the uh, human protein has a sequence that resembles a sequence that was in the original peptide from a food source that didn't get broken down. That's the whole gluten intolerance thing. I mean, I think the whole epidemic in gluten intolerance is a consequence of the gluten not being properly digested, the gluten molecules getting out into the circulation, causing an immune reaction, and then causing an immune attack on human proteins through this molecular mimicry process. Certainly when we talk about digestion, we need to talk about leaky gut and also this autoimmune disease issue that's on the rise. Michelle, what's your, both from clinical experience and your extensive knowledge of research 
Uh, where do you want to take it up in terms of the gut? You want to pick it up from the Arpad Pustai research and the leaky gut research? Pick it, pick your poison. Oh, so much. Um, that was a great segue from Stephanie's comments. Um, I'll pick it up in terms of this inflammatory bowel disease because prior to maybe 15, 20 years ago, we didn't see a lot of inflammatory bowel disease in kids. And now it's on the rise. That's Crohn's, also ulcerative colitis. And what I'm seeing particularly even in babies is early signs of colitis where they have mucus in their stools. Mucus is a not a normal finding. And what we do know is that depleted tryptophan has been found in, in patients mm -hmm. with IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. And as we know, is that's where indeed glyphosate inhibits in the production of those aromatic amino acids, such as tryptophan, which has been found to be very depleted in patients with inflammatory bowel disease. So it's really important. We cannot make those amino acids. Some we can make, some we can't. Those aromatic amino acids where glyphosate blocks, the shikimate pathway, which Stephanie referred to before, are key and crucial for the production for so many functions in the body, and, and particularly in the hormones that control mood, like depression. And we can talk about that later, and that's called serotonin. So I want to get back to babies for a second. Why is that? Because the cutting edge of research, as, as Kieran will say, and Stephanie, is the microbiota. Within the first three years of life, you are able to manipulate and alter your microbiota. After about 890 days, that's no longer possible. You might have a little bit of wiggle room. I've read anywhere up to 30% where you can change it. I'm not sure if that's true or not, because there's a lot we don't know about the microbiome. So what's set up for baby in those first three years is key. And what you feed baby, if the baby's not having breast milk, they will not get enough of the microbiome from mom if they're fed formula. Even if you add it, it's not enough. Babies from 100 years ago, their fecal smears look like a monoculture of a type of beneficial bacteria called bifidobacterium. And we know that glyphosate-based herbicides target these acid-loving bacteria like bifido, like lactobacilli. You need this bifidobacterium phantis, that's the name, to lower the pH of the poop. When you lower the pH of the intestine and the poop, that prevents the growth of pathogens. This is a life-saving, life-protecting, nourishing aspect of nourishment for baby by what's in the poop via vaginal birth, passage through the, um, the canal, breastfeeding, and formula, not quite good enough. We do it sometimes, but just to understand, if you have to use formula, you have to use organic because there's glyphosate. And if you do a soy formula that's not organic, there are GMOs in glyphosate in a formula, which just blows my mind. So you want to protect the baby's microbiota. Um, and that microbiome, as we know, is important for detoxification, immune health, production of vitamins, et cetera, et cetera. And we can go into that further. And so you want to create this balanced, robust microbiota. When you check kids now, when you check adults now, and you actually do an assay and look at the composition of their stool, you find a loss of diversity. You find high levels of pathogens or potential pathogens. You find losses of digestive enzymes. You find markers, early markers of inflammation that are like a crystal ball for who's going to go on to develop autoimmune disease. And all that info is right in the stool. That is well said. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. 
This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.